Afternoon, everybody. We good today? I almost said good morning, and I looked up and just caught it almost just in time. So afternoon. Glad you guys are here for week three of this series we are calling Explicit Lyrics. Like the video said, my name is Adam. I am one of the pastors here, and I love that I get to hang out with you today. Would you guys who are here in Florence, would you make some noise for everyone who is watching us through that camera right there? Thank you guys, whether it's Facebook, our live streaming platform, we love all of you guys. Thank you for joining us as well. If you were here for the opening of service, you heard us open up with um, one of the biggest guitar anthems of the 90s, um, the Lenny Kravitz, and a song called Are You Gonna Go My Way, um, 1993, um, made a huge impact there. It was actually one of the songs that put Lenny Kravitz on the map. Um, what you may not know about the song um, is that Are You Gonna Go My Way is actually a Christian song. True story. It wasn't put out by a Christian label or anything like that, but, you know, Jesus didn't come to die for music labels. Um, Lenny Kravitz himself is actually a very vocal Christian. Um, he is vocal about his beliefs. He is a Christ follower. He has a large tattoo that covers shoulder blade to shoulder blade, his whole back, um, that says, my heart belongs to Jesus Christ. Um, and you see these themes popping up all throughout um, his songs and all throughout his lyrics. Um, Are you going to go my way? The story goes... He was in the studio kind of doing his first album, um, putting it all together, one of his first albums. And this is back when he still didn't have a lot of money. And so he was only booking out studio time in windows. He wasn't booking it out all day. And so he looked up and he had five minutes left in his recording session. The next band that was coming in to take over the studio was already waiting. And he had this like guitar riff. He had this jam that he just had to put down to track, and so they said he had five minutes to record all of the music for the song that you heard. He didn't have lyrics yet, but he knew he just had to get this out of him in some way. So he recorded the full thing in five minutes, laid down all the tracks, and afterwards he sat down and he had to put lyrics to this music that said it just kind of come out of him. And so um, the motivation for Are You Gonna Go My Way, he actually pulled from Scripture. You can read it. The book of John, chapter 14, verses 3 through 6, this is what Jesus himself said. He said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know, here it is, the way to where I'm going. But Thomas responded, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him in response, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, see, as someone who, um, who preaches and, like, teaches the word for a living, I'm going to be honest with you. It's really easy to get on a stage like this in front of a bunch of Christians and preach Jesus as the truth. We like that. Like, we don't necessarily communicate it, but we like boundaries. We like rules. We like knowing right from wrong. We like black and white. Gray makes us very uncomfortable, so we like truth because we understand that by its very definition, truth lives in opposition to what? Lies. And nobody likes a liar, right? It doesn't matter if you're a good person, bad person, evil person. Nobody likes a liar. And so Jesus is the truth is easy for us because we like the truth. The same thing is true about Jesus as the life. We like life. And we love those verses, and it's easy to get up and preach verses that, that promise life and abundant life and abundantly more. And John 10.10, 10, right? That Jesus came to give you life and life to the fullest. 
We like those verses because we understand that life itself, by its definition, stands in opposition to what? Death. And none of us want to die. Right? Kenny Chesney said it best. Everybody wants to go to heaven. And nobody wants to go now. Nobody wants to die, so we like life. We like blessings, and so when we preach messages like that, we get a lot of claps and amens and retweets, and our Facebook blows up, and man, people love it. But when we get up and we preach Jesus as the way, now that's different altogether. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't necessarily like Jesus as the way. Because when we read through Scripture and we see the stories and we see the commands of Christ and how he lived, what we see is that way more often than not, Jesus' way goes in the direct opposite direction of my way. I want to do this, and Jesus says I should do that. I want to go here, and Jesus says I should go there. And so that's difficult for us. We don't clap as much. We kind of sit quiet, and I'm okay with that because the Bible tells us the same thing, that there's a way. Look at what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. See, that's your way, my way. Jump into the New Testament. The book of Matthew says it this way in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So what is the Jesus way? What does it look like? Did you know early on in the history of the church, when you go all the way back to first century as this message of Jesus is beginning to spread, did you know that the early church initially did not call themselves Christians? That's not what they ascribed themselves to. Early on, as Jews began hearing the teaching of Jesus and began adopting this way of living, early Jewish believers adopted this moniker called the way. And they would ask you and they would communicate that I'm a follower of the way. You can read it all the way into the writings of Paul. He says, I'm a follower of the way. Because they knew there was a way that you were to live. And the way was known. And it made an impact for a few different things. It was their love. It was their grace and their mercy. It was the friendship. It was the way they forgave people, they were generous, and all of a sudden this message of the way began to take over in the Roman Empire. And what we now know as Christianity began to spread, but in their day, they called it the way. And it was the Jesus way. And I'm just here to tell you that the Jesus way was and is a very radical way of living. The Jesus way is radical, and it goes against all the cultural and societal norms of our day. It's a big deal. And I think as we look at the life of Christ, there's a few things that we see that kind of make up Jesus and what it looked like to do life with him. There's one thing 
I think you would notice about Jesus if you were to walk with him today, and I think you would see that, that his life was marked by radical commitment. A radical commitment. You see, he knew he had a mission. He knew he was sent here for a purpose, and there was nothing, not hell or high water, friend or foe, Satan himself was not going to get in the way of Jesus seeing this commitment through to the end. We read what that commitment is in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Now again, we like that. Jesus is the Savior. Oh, yes, save me, Lord. That's the what, but we all of a sudden start getting a little uncomfortable when we keep reading the teachings of, okay, Jesus, how did you go about accomplishing the what? What did it look like? What did this commitment look like? And so Jesus started teaching some stuff that kind of messed with people. He started teaching things like this. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 45. Jesus says, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, for in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You see, the Jesus way is a call for radical commitment. It's an all-in call. You don't get to go halfway because Jesus' way didn't leave us that option. Scripture says it this way. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. The problem is that for so many of us Christians, we get real good at coming to church services. We get real good at hearing messages. Some of us go off to conferences and we get real pumped up and we might get crazy and listen to some podcasts here and there. And maybe you tune to your favorite Christian radio station and you get all this information coming up that, that fills you up with all this knowledge. The problem is that what do we do with the information that's coming in? Are we committed enough to do something? Because the problem is that too many Christians are only committed to the point that it costs them something. And you see, we, we have no problems praying until we're asked to pray in public. And then it's like, man, I, I don't do that. Like, you just, my personality, I'm kind of a shy person. And we forget that whole command and teaching of Jesus where he says, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Like, man, we don't like that way, Jesus. Hold up. I like that love and that saving side. We love serving, and we don't have any problems, right? I see the parking lot shirts in the crowd, and we don't have any problem parking cars and greeting people and making them feel welcome, and we'll spend all day outside when it's 80 degrees and sunny, beautiful weather, but let winter come. Let it get 30 degrees and be raining outside. I call that hunting season. That's why I don't hunt. I don't like being cold. I don't like getting up early. I don't like being out there. See, you let it cost you something, and all of a sudden, you know, Pastor, I'm just feeling like I just need to take a break for a little while. Come on. God, you know, I'm just got a lot going on. No, what you mean is all of a sudden it's costing you more 
when it cost you in the past, and now you need to pump the brakes a little bit. See, I can make you mad. I'm only up here every five, six weeks, so you'll forget about it by the time I'm back up here. This is, how about this one? We've got no issue dropping five, a 10, maybe a 20 when we're feeling real crazy when the ushers pass the buckets up and down the aisles, but, but all of a sudden, let us feel like we need to give more to the point that it cost us something, that I have to sacrifice something I want. Well, then all the church wants is my money, and I know you only talk about it one time a year, but that one time is too much. Because now all of a sudden, you're, you're costing me something, Pastor. And I'm just not that committed. See, the Jesus way calls for radical commitment. The life of Jesus cost him everything, all the way to death on a criminal's cross. But it bought everything for us. But we forget that part where Jesus says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus, I don't like crosses because crosses are never convenient. But he doesn't give us that option. See, the Jesus way is difficult and the road is narrow. And the scary part is that the word says that only a few find it. It's radical commitment. The second thing I think we see in the life of Jesus that marked the way he lived was this idea of radical community. The community that Jesus kept was all kinds of different. As you follow his life through the Gospels, you'll see over and over again, he puts this invitation out for people to follow him. He'd meet somebody and say, follow me. And it wasn't an invitation to come hear him teach. It wasn't an invitation to church, right? Come to 320 next week. That, it's not that kind of follow me. What Jesus was inviting them into was relationship. Come get to know me. Come spend time with me. Let me share my heart with you, right? Like, let's build some deep relationships. But it created problems for the people around him because, you see, the truth is while we know Jesus loves people, we're taught from an early age, right? Jesus loves the little children. We know Jesus loves, and we know that we as Christ followers are called to love. But did you know that Jesus loved and liked people? And there's a big difference. See, I love people, but can I be real honest with you? I don't like a lot of people. I have to work at that because people frustrate me. And you have to work through that and it's hard and there's friction. You have to work at liking people because community's never convenient, ever. Andy Stanley said this quote, I love it. He said, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. See, it's crazy to me when you hear Jesus teaching these things like, hey, they they hated me, they persecuted me, they're going to hate you too. Do you know who he was talking about? It wasn't the tax collectors and the sinners. They didn't hate him. They liked him. That was his people. 
The people that hated Jesus were the religious people, the church people, because his life was radical. He was an extremist. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity, I took our School of Ministry students to one of our domestic missions partners in Oklahoma City, City Center. Many of you heard um, Jed Chapel and his wife Julie when they were here a couple of first Wednesdays ago. When we were in Oklahoma, we had the opportunity to take the students to, to go hang out with a friend. We've got a picture of him. His name's Armand. Armand's in the red shirt, the American Red Cross shirt. I'm standing next to his wife, Nebras. Super sweet family. That's his twins right next to him. He's got a middle school daughter, but she's not in the picture because she's a middle school girl and she didn't want her picture taken. But they're awesome. And they're the kindest, sweetest. Armand is intelligent and driven. Truly one of the most hospitable people I've ever met in my entire life. Armand's my friend. Armand is also a very devout Muslim. Arman is a refugee, right? You've seen the videos on CNN or Fox News or whatever your favorite poison is on TV, right? Refugees, and that's, though, that's what they are, right? He, he fled his native country of Iraq and, and all of his family and everything he'd ever known because if he and his family had stayed, Al-Qaeda and ISIS were threatening to murder he and his family. But see, we forget that they actually murder more Muslims than they do Christians. That's just proximity, you know? But see, Armand's my friend. And we in our southern Alabama Bible Belt mentality, we think, well, how, how can you be a white southern preacher and be friends with an Iraqi Muslim. Like, doesn't he hate you? Doesn't, like, don't they want to kill us? This one invited us in, cooked us dinner, hung out with us for hours, talked about our cultures, talked about our families. He let us share our faith with him. He let us pray to Jesus in his house over our meal. And that's radical, y'all. And chances are in a room this size, some of you are bothered by that. Some of you don't like that. He's a Muslim and he, he doesn't believe like us and he doesn't act like us. And you can't, you can't do that, preacher. The good news is that puts me in some good company. Because look at what scripture says. Matthew chapter 11, verses 18 and 19 says, for John, speaking of John the Baptist, didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And you, religious people, you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, Jesus, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. You see, Jesus knew something about true community. It's that it's not only cross-cultural, but it's countercultural. It goes against the societal norms. And it got all over the church people of his day. Look at what Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 says. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees 
And teachers of religious law complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And then Jesus goes on and he shares the story of the the parable of the lost sheep. And he tells them, like, wouldn't you, if you had a hundred sheep and one went astray, would you not leave the 99 and go after the one? Like, that was my mission, to seek and save that one. And he didn't ask what color their skin was or what nation they were from or what their sexual preference was or how sinful they were. He didn't ask what religion they were. It was radical community, and the church people despised it. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. And the truth is that radical always offends religious Religious people are the easiest people on the planet to offend. Trust me. So easy to offend church people. And I think if Jesus were here today, a lot of us would be really offended. He was all about community. And I'm going to be honest. One of the things that I oversee here at the church is is our connect groups and our serve teams and And I love them both. Like, I cannot stress to you enough how important it is that I think you should be in a connect group. And some of you have been here for far too long, and you're not leading a connect group, and you need to be leading a connect group. I love our serve teams and the volunteers that make what we do happen. It would not happen without them. And you need to be on a serve team. You need to be using your gifts and talents. And when you join either a group or a team, here's what's going to happen. You're going to meet some amazing people, right? You're going to have the opportunities to connect and get to know people. But have you ever heard that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? I can't process or system you enough to force you into community with other people. Our society today is the most connected, disconnected society in the history of the world. So when I talk about radical community, I'm not talking about this counterfeit community that we see on social media where I know what your kids had to eat for dinner last night, and I know how many times you saw Endgame this weekend. I know all about your strengths, but none of your weaknesses. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know how to come alongside you and and help you through that and to pray for you. I I don't know any of those things because we're not truly living in community. You see, we as a people are really good at the stiff arm, and I promise I'm preaching to myself. You have to make the choice to let people in. You have to make the choice to intentionally live in community with other people because community is never convenient. We all have busy schedules. We all have ball fields. We all have dance recitals. We all have jobs. But the calling of Christ followers everywhere to live the way that Jesus lived is to live a life of radical community. I'm telling you, we need each other. And it's the only way to make it through to the end. The Jesus way was radical community. Lastly, I think one of the things you see about the life of Jesus that marked him, that made him different than everybody else, was this this idea of radical compassion. Radical compassion. And I think so many of us Christians today have lost the compassion of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. I think we're really, really good at feeling sorry for people. And emotionally, when we hear of 
of things that happen and somebody's gotten a bad report and somebody's kids are doing this and somebody's marriage is in a bad place, like truly like we feel bad for them. And maybe we would never use those words, man, I feel sorry for you, because we understand to a certain degree that for me to feel sorry for you is condescending. If I feel sorry for you, then I'm elevating myself above you. So we may not say that, but if we look at our actions and what we're actually doing about the emotion that we feel, it's exactly what we're doing. Man, I hate you're going through that, brother. I'm going to pray for you. Knowing good and well, you ain't going to pray for them. Man, I'm here if you need anything until you call me at 2 a.m. And I'm sorry, my phone's off. See, it cost us something. You saw the video right before I came up here. My wife and I was able to to lead um, the first team to go to our care point in Guatemala this last week. And when we're there, we're, we're spending time with this beautiful group of people. They're the sweetest, kindest people that you'll ever meet in your entire life. It's an amazing, amazing place to go. You need to be on a trip. If you can't make the one in August, we've got another one coming up in November. If you can make the one in August, go to Next Steps today. We'll get you some information on it. But here's what I found out when I was there this past week is that I was interacting with this group of people and I'm seeing the need and I'm seeing what they're going through and they're, they're so joyful, right? And they're so, they're so peaceful and like you look at their situation and you're like, how are you so happy? What I realize is that the lens through which I see the world is way more colored by the American way than the Jesus way. And materialism and possessions and notoriety and fame and all like, keep asking like, man, I don't understand. Like, they don't define themselves based on what they don't have because it's not much, but they define themselves based on what they do have. And what we see when you're there is that these people who are worshiping on dirt floors and living in tin houses, what we find out is they're way more wealthy in most ways than many Americans living in half-million-dollar houses. Because while you may be more wealthy or better off physically and financially, they've got you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's the American way or the Jesus way. And newsflash, Jesus wasn't American. He wasn't white and he wasn't affluent. As we were there working... Got a picture. You can see a church that we're in the process of helping them build. The man that you see standing in front of it is Pastor Selvin. He's the pastor of the church at our care point. And if you look kind of to the back of the picture behind the church, you'll see all the brush and growth and, right, like high grass. And one of the jobs that we as a team did this past week, uh, mainly Zach, he did most of it. One of the things that we did was, like, they don't have lawnmowers and they don't have bush hogs and but we wanted to plant a garden so that this community can begin growing their own food on a path to self-sustainment. And so we had to get out there with machetes, and we had to cut all the growth down, and we had to get it down to the grass. And then we had to take these, like, primitive hoes and, like, till up the ground to try to break it up so that we could get food planted so they could begin growing. And one of the things that stood out to me more than anything is this man that you see standing here. Church is in about three hours. And he's there in his dress shoes and his slacks and his shirt and his tie. It's mid-90s and crazy humid. We're out there sweating and tilling up grass and digging in the dirt. And I look over and this man has a hoe. 
and he's digging and he's diving in, right? And he's kicking up dirt and grass everywhere and it's covering his clothes. He's pouring sweat. This is an educated man. His wife is actually an accountant who lives three hours away from him in the city because she works for the government. It would be very easy for him to take his, his time and take his talents and all those things and move with his wife hours away and leave this community behind because he could have more. He wouldn't have to work this hard, but you see there's a compassion on the inside of this man and the way he loves these people and the way he ministers to them that when you look at him, I see Jesus. And as I watched Pastor Selvin digging in the dirt and slinging it everywhere, the whole time he's smiling and he's worshiping and I'm convicted and I was reminded of this verse. Matthew chapter 5 verses 20, Matthew 25, excuse me, verses 34 to 40. It says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You see, the life of Jesus was marked by radical compassion. It was lived for other people. And as I dive into this topic, and I've spent truly like hours upon hours upon hours trying to wrap my brain around, what does it look like, Jesus, in 2019, Alabama, for us to live a life that's your way and not our way, to live a life that honors you. I'll be honest, what I end up with is more questions than answers. And I'm struggling through it, and I'm trying to figure it out, but here's what I know. Without a shadow of doubt in my mind, I know that the Jesus way leads to the Jesus truth and the Jesus life. And you will never live the life you want to live unless you live it the way Jesus said to live it. It's the only way. You can't have the Jesus truth and the Jesus life without the Jesus way. And it's difficult. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. People aren't going to understand. And here's the deal. Many people may completely disagree. And they'll say, you've sold out. Look at you, friends, with those people. Why are you hanging out with, with that group? You're a drunkard, right? Hanging out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and drug dealers and gangsters. And, and the good news is when we do that, we put ourselves in real good company. Jesus said they, they hated you, they hated me, and they're going to hate you too. And he was talking about the religious people, not the world. But I wonder when we ask ourselves the same question that Lenny Kravitz asked in 93, it's the same question Jesus asked thousands of years ago, and it's the question he's asking today. When he asks us, are you going to go my way, 
or are you going to continue to go yours? I wonder if we could look at the way we're living and I wonder if we would be radical like Jesus was. I wonder if we would stand out the way Jesus stood out. wonder what people could say about our lives and the way we live in the community that we find ourselves. Would we find ourselves on the narrow way that's difficult and challenging? Or far too often are we kind of coasting on that wide open path that Scripture says leads to death? The Jesus way is hard, but Scripture makes it clear it's the only way. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm curious in this room right now, even though you know you're not perfect, even though you know you've got a long way to go, I wonder how many of us would have the courage to raise our hand today and say, Jesus, I want to live your way and not my way. If you're with me, raise your hands. My hand's up. Father, I pray for every single person that's in this room, every person that can hear my voice, God. Truly, we repent, God, for living God life on our own terms, trying to make you look like us instead of trying to make us look like you, trying to put you in our American Bible Belt box. Father, continue to pour your grace and strength on us as a people, Father, so that when people look at us, they see a radical decision to follow after you, regardless of the cost. Because, Father, we want your life. We want your blessing. We want to walk in the truth that is you, that is your word. And it may not look like we always thought it would look. And it may offend some people, Jesus, but you're the only one we worry about. And God, we all want to hear you say those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So God, give us the strength to live your way and not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for being here. I hope you've had an awesome day. Please remember, Mother's Day is next week, so come back, invite your mom, hashtag love mom. Have a great time. I'll see you next week.